0: Well, hey, welcome. So glad that you're here. We uh, kicked off a series two weeks ago called Over It, and we are in part three today. We're gonna be wrapping up the series today, and throughout the course of this series, we've been talking about stress, worry, and anxiety. And if you've missed any part of the series, I wanna encourage you to go back to catch up on our podcast or YouTube, however you like to listen to messages, because... I believe the content is so important and potentially life-changing, but just what we've done with every week is we've been really, really clear about the complexity of the topic of anxiety, Uh, that we believe and we know that anxiety is complex, it's not simple, Uh, and we believe in a holistic approach to dealing with and working through anxiety. Uh, What we do believe and what I believe is that there is a spiritual element and a spiritual component of anxiety, but that's just a part of it. But it just so happens that that's the only part of it that I am uh, capable of talking through. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on, what we have focused on throughout the course of the series. Not because it's the only part of, of the struggle, but it's the only part we're qualified to talk about. And we've said this every week that you can be stressed and not be anxious. And you can be anxious and not be clinically Anxious, And if you are in this clinically anxious realm, this this part, we just want you to know uh, that we hope this series is helpful, but if it's not, we wanna walk alongside you in any way possible. Uh, That anything in this series is not meant to replace anything you're already doing. There's counseling, if there's therapy, which by the way, that could be for everybody. Uh, If you're seeing a psychiatrist, if you're on medication, we wanna get behind you with all of that. So this isn't meant to replace anything. This is just to add on. These are just some more tools on your tool belt for all of us, no matter where you are, to continue to battle on the journey as we battle stress, anxiety, and worry. And week one, just to catch you up, week one, what we kind of talked about was, hey, this world is hectic, and our lives are busy, and we're overwhelmed, we're overcommitted, and we're overexposed, and we're constantly responding to stimuli, and that creates stress. And what we said was, hey, week one, baseline, God wants to give you rest for your souls, And then last week, we kind of got into the nuts and bolts of anxiety and talked about kind of the science and the biology behind anxiety and what is happening in our bodies and our minds when anxiety strikes. And we looked at what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter four and we said, hey, God wants to give you peace for your minds. And tonight, as we wrap up the series, I want to talk about hope for your hearts rest for your souls, peace for your minds, and I want to talk about hope for your hearts. There was this uh, experiment that was done decades ago, and it, this experiment is not legal anymore today, okay? You would not be able to do this experiment. You'll find out why in just a second. So I'm not condoning it, whatever, okay? I love animals, um, but, uh, but there's something, yeah, like what is, where is he going with this? Just trust me, but there's a principle here that I, blew my mind when I heard about this. So there was this, this, this experiment that was done decades ago by these researchers. And um, they took uh, these rats and what they did was kind of the first round experiment was they took this bucket and they filled it with water and they would drop a rat in to see how long the rat would swim before it drowned. Now, I know you're like, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? First off, you all put mousetraps in your house and kill rats. okay? and there you learn nothing from that. So just go with me here for a second. So they they did. So they did this a few times and and the, the rats would only swim for just a few minutes they did not last very long before they drowned. But then they changed the experiment a little bit, and what they did was they, they got another bucket, same amount of water, and they would put the rat in. But this time, right before the rat was to drown, they would take the rat and they would pull it out, and they would give it a moment of rest, and then they would put the rat back in. And then they would carry it out, and they would hold it for a moment, and they would put it back in. And here's what they found, is that the rats that were, got that momentary rest, they never drowned, and they never stopped swimming. What the researchers concluded was that um, the rats that had no hope of rescue stopped swimming and drowned. But the rats that had hope of rescue had reason to keep swimming. Uh, The lead researcher on on the experiment concluded, this is so fascinating, that after the elimination of hopelessness, the rats do not die. After the elimination of hopelessness, the rats kept Swimming, They had a reason to keep swimming. And what they concluded was they had hope to keep swimming. Tonight, I wanna to talk about this powerful idea of the elimination of hopelessness in your life and in mine. And I know we are not rats, we're humans, and we're very different than rats, obviously. But we all need a reason to keep on swimming. We all need a reason to keep on going. We all need a reason to keep on believing because the weight of our stress and our anxiety and your worries and your fears is a lot to bear and it's a lot to carry. In fact, for some of you, you might be feeling it is too much to carry and it is too much to bear. And we've talked about this, but this generation that you're in and and, and the one the people behind you that are part of it, it is the most anxious and depressed generation in the history of humanity. That you're constantly navigating stress, you're constantly navigating the pressures that you've got, the pressure to be somebody, the pressure to impress someone, the pressure to prove something, the pressure to succeed. You're making decisions now that seem so final and that's kinda scary because you wanna get it right. Um, so many of us f- you know, think about the future and there's worry and fear because the unknown is unsettling. We're navigating tragedy and difficulty, both globally, both globally but also personally. Maybe there's drama in relationships. Uh, maybe there's a breakup that you've been working through. Maybe there's uh, estranged family members and there's some difficulty there and some tension there and it's causing stress and drama in your life. Maybe there's somebody that's sick. Maybe you've recently lost somebody close to you because of an illness or some tragic event. Maybe um, loneliness, loneliness has been reported at a higher level than ever before as well. Maybe you feel lonely, like you've got a lot of friends, you're surrounded by a lot of people, but you still feel all alone, that you don't feel loved, you don't feel connected. And for some of us, man, maybe the, the, the darkness is just kind of looming and it just feels like it's closing in. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what your story is, no matter what you're walking in with, every single one of us needs something A hope to hold on to, to keep on moving, and to keep on going. We've all experienced this on a smaller scale. I I think we feel this. Like If you ever have plans for spring break, you always feel this the week before spring break. For whatever reason, the week before spring break, you've got a million tests and a bunch of papers to get done. And you have so many things to do. You don't want to do it because you just want to go on vacation, but you got to get it done. And I don't know if it was like this for you, but it was certainly like this for me. It was like, okay, I can do this. I can keep on getting it done. I can keep studying and do whatever I need to do because I know next week is going to be awesome. Like I'm looking forward to vacation. I'm looking forward to going to the beach. I'm looking forward to whatever I got going on so I can get through whatever I'm doing now because I'm looking at something ahead. Every single one of us know the feeling on some level of looking at something to empower us to keep moving now. Tonight, I wanna talk about hope and where your hope and my hope should be and could be placed so that we can keep on moving no matter what we face. Hope is one of the most powerful forces in all of the universe. There was this, I read on Psychology Today, an article by a psychiatrist, and he said, if I could bottle up hope and dispense it. He said, I would, have, uh, I would have something more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. And he wasn't taking a jab at medicine, he's a psychiatrist, he prescribes medicine and I believe medication can be a part of your journey but here was his point, is that hope is powerful. And what I hope tonight is that we can maybe eliminate hopelessness and infuse your heart with the hope that is rooted in Jesus. Tonight, that's my hope, is that if there's any part of you, and maybe it's not your whole heart, maybe it's a part of your heart, maybe it's just for an area of your life, maybe it's just a season of your life, that there is this hopelessness, that we wanna eliminate the hopelessness and infuse your heart and remind your heart of the hope, the rock-solid hope that can only be found in Jesus. It's important to define hope, though, because the the ordinary kind of English definition of hope is not the same as the Christian hope. The ordinary definition of hope is essentially wishful thinking. If you were to look up hope in the dictionary, that's what it would be, wishful thinking. And we say this stuff all the time. I hope they win. I hope she says yes. You know? uh, I hope I get the job. I hope I get the internship. I hope this works out. We hope for things all the time, but essentially it's wishful thinking. The ordinary definition of hope is a, is a desire for an outcome with no guarantee or certainty that it'll actually happen. But the Christian hope is fundamentally different. Uh, The Christian hope is not wishful thinking. No, no, this is so important. The Christian hope is confidence. The Christian hope is confidence in the promises of God. The Christian hope isn't some wishful thinking verb. It is a noun. It is confidence. It is confident expectation that what God has promised will come to pass. And the strength of the Christian hope is found in the faithfulness of God. So the Christian hope that I want to talk about tonight and the hope that is found in Jesus, it's not just something that we wish for. It's, just not, it's not something that we just desire to be true. No, no, I want to talk about our confidence in the faithfulness of who God is and in his promises. And tonight I want to look at one specific promise that is the foundation of the entire Christian hope. In fact, I wanna look at a promise that Jesus made, a statement that Jesus made, that is the foundation for our entire faith. And he says it in John chapter 16, but before we jump there, I wanna give you a little bit of context, that Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, John, the Gospel of John, that talks about the life of Jesus, John 14, 15, and 16. It's this long discourse by Jesus. He's talking to his disciples, in fact, if you like, your Bible has red letters, Almost the entire three chapters, it's all red letters. And it's Jesus talking. And he's being real with his disciples. He's being honest with his disciples. And he's telling them things that are discouraging, so he's also trying to comfort them. But he's basically letting them know in those three chapters, hey, I've got to leave. I've got to go. He's talking about being crucified. But I'm going to come back. He's talking about the resurrection. They have no idea what he's talking about. But then he's saying, hey, but it's better if I go because I'm gonna send, when I go, the Father's gonna send down the Holy Spirit here and the Holy Spirit will be able to be everywhere. It's gonna be better if I leave because the Holy Spirit will comfort you, the Holy Spirit will guide you and the Holy Spirit will remind you of things that I've taught you. So it's better that I go. And you gotta understand the disciples. They've given up their entire life to follow this guy. They've given up everything. They've given up their jobs. They've given up their families. They've given up everything to follow him. And now he's talking about leaving. Now he's talking about how I've got to go. Now he's talking about how it's better if I do go. You can imagine the distress. You can imagine the concern. You can imagine the anxiety they might have been feeling, which is why in that same three chapters, Jesus also wants to encourage them. And this is what he says. He kind of concludes... These three chapters with this, John 16, Jesus says, I have told you these things. What things? The I've got to go. I'm coming back. Where I'm going, you can't follow. But the Father, he's going to send down the Holy Spirit after my death and resurrection when I go back. Like, it's good. I've told you these things so that, so that you in me, so that you may have peace. So that you may, I don't think I can read, but that you may have peace. And then, he says this, this is kind of promise number one. There's actually two promises here. The first promise is this. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. He's being straight up with the disciples. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna encourage you. I wanna give you peace, all the things I've told you uh, so that you might have peace. I want you to trust me, but I just gotta be real with you for just a second. In this world, in this life, while you live, you are going to experience trouble trouble. That for you and for me, life on this side of heaven is never fully going to be all that God intended it to be. That on this side of heaven, sin is still going to have a curse over this world. That on this side of heaven, we're never going to experience 100% the way God intended it to be until Jesus comes to redeem it. That you and I are going to experience difficulty on this side of heaven. That you and I are going to experience tragedy on this side of heaven. That you and I are going to experience loss on this side of heaven. That we're going to have good days and we might have just as many bad days. That in this side of heaven we're going to struggle with stress and worry and fear and anxiety. And for some of us there might even be seasons where it feels like that is winning over more than anything else and even on this side of heaven, when we begin to have victory over sin, over uh, anxiety and stress and worry and fear in our lives, it still might feel like it's just kinda looming there in the background, ready to rear its ugly head. In this world, you will have trouble. Here's what Jesus knew. He's telling his disciples, he knew they were going to experience trouble. Like like he knew that it was coming their way. He knew that it was gonna be difficult. And he knew that almost every single one of them was gonna lose their life for the faith that they professed in him. And he knew that there were gonna be moments where they were gonna feel like there was no hope. But here's what Jesus was doing. This is one of the most loving verses in all the New Testament. You know why? Jesus was preparing their hearts for what was true. Jesus wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. Jesus wasn't just trying to say, hey, maybe follow me. Like, everything's gonna be awesome. Just trust me, it'll all work out. No, 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 he's calling it like it is. And when you're walking with Jesus back then, it kind of always just worked out because Jesus was God and he kind of did whatever he wanted to do. But what they didn't know was he was about to journey to the cross. And he's preparing them and he's preparing their hearts for what is true. True. He's lovingly saying, hey, I need you to expect something that in this world you will have trouble. And isn't it so true? There is something comforting. There's something comforting about being prepared even if you are preparing for the worst. There's something comforting about, okay, at least I know now. Like I'm being prepared for the worst. At least I know he's preparing their hearts and he's preparing your heart and my heart to say, hey, listen, in this world, It's going to be difficult. In this world, you're going to struggle. In this world, there's gonna be darkness. In this world, there is gonna be evil. In this world, you're gonna struggle with stress, anxiety, and fear, and worry. That following Jesus, following Jesus was never promised. He never promises that it would be easy, but it's better. That following Jesus is the best thing that you could ever do. That following and surrendering your life to Jesus is the best thing you could ever do with your life, but it's never going to be easy. It's never going to make life easy, but it makes life easy better. And what do I mean by better? I don't mean better as in everything's going to work out the way that you want it to. I don't mean better as in life is never going to be hard. No, no. Sometimes you know what better means? Sometimes better means, hey, you know what? On this side of heaven, yeah, I'm going to run into trouble. I know it's going to be difficult. I know this world is broken. But even though life is hard, my Savior knew it. My Savior called it. My Savior prepared me in advance for it. And I am better because I have a Savior that's going to see me through it. In this world, you will have trouble. Right then, he says, But take heart. In this world, I'm telling you, it's gonna be hard, but take heart. Don't despair, don't give up. This word literally means be courageous. We kicked off this semester with a series on courage, and we said that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward even in the face of fear. So Jesus is saying, hey, no matter what you face, no matter what you are facing, I'm going to tell you you're going to face something scary. You're going to face things that are difficult, but I want you to be courageous that when your circumstances around you are dark, When anxiety is looming, when stress is looming, when you don't feel like there's very much hope, I want you to keep going. I want you to keep moving. I want you to keep swimming. I want you to keep believing. I want you to be courageous. Why? How? And then Jesus, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. How is that possible? Jesus then says, maybe the most powerful sentence in the entire New Testament upon which the foundation of our hope in the Christian faith is built. But take heart. How? Because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. That this verse here is where the hope of Christianity rests. This verse here is where my faith in your faith in the Christian faith rests. I have overcome the world. What's he talking about? He's talking about his death and resurrection, by the way, that hasn't happened yet. The word overcome, this is such a cool word. It means victory. In fact, the Greek word, this is really cool, is this word right here. It's nenikeka. Nenikeka. And you know what I love about this? Nike. Yeah. But I'm not making that up. Do you know what Nike is? Nike uh, was named after the Greek goddess of victory. You know where that word comes from? This word right here. Now y'all know why I like Nike so much because Jesus made it up. Let's go. Nike. Let's, let's, let's figure something out, huh? Sponsorship. Okay. Nenikeka. That Jesus was saying, I have won, I am victorious. In this particular verb form, you know what it means? It means continuously victorious, that I am forever victorious. In other words, Jesus is saying, I've overcome the world, that I am always winning, that there is not a minute, there is not an instance in eternity where I will not be winning and haven't been winning. I am always winning that you can take heart, that you're gonna face trouble, but you can take heart. Why? Because you follow the one that doesn't lose. You follow the one that always wins. You follow the one who is victorious. You follow the one who has overcome. You follow the one that has and will prevail. And y'all, this is crazy. You need to track with me here. He was still living and breathing when he said this. He looked at his disciples and he said, "Hey." Take heart, because I've overcome the world. He's talking about his death and resurrection. It hasn't happened yet. How come he didn't say, take heart, because in just just a couple of days, I'm gonna overcome the world. Well, add add two, because the third day. In five days, I'm gonna overcome the world. Nope. He was still living and breathing, and he stated it as fact. Jesus is claiming victory over the grave before he physically did it. Why? Because in his perfect faithfulness, when he says it, it's as good as done. That when Jesus says it, it's as good as done. When Jesus is on a mission, it's as good as done. It was finished before he even did it because he is perfectly faithful to do whatever he says. So he was living and breathing and he spoke as if it was already done because his faithfulness, It already was. I have overcome the world. That even though I haven't done it yet, it's already true because that's how faithful I am. That we can have hope, we can have confident expectation in anything that Jesus or our heavenly Father has promised because if it's said, it's as good as done. So Jesus says, take heart because I'm gonna die. And even though I didn't fully understand this, but I'm gonna come back to life. Can can we just talk about this for a minute? I wanna talk about the perspective that hope gives us. This is one of those things we talk about a lot and I alluded to this last week and it's like, oh yeah, 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 that's true. I just need y'all to track with me here for just a second. The worst thing the worst thing that could happen to a human being on this side of heaven is death. The worst thing that could happen to a human being on this side of heaven is for them to die. And we follow a savior. We follow a Jesus. We put our hope and surrendered our lives to a savior that literally died. His heart stopped beating blood to the rest of his body. His lungs stopped filling up with air. His brain stopped working and he literally died. And then on the third day, he did what nobody had ever done and done since. He came back to life, he literally started breathing again. His heart literally started pumping again. His brain started processing again, and the disciples had breakfast with him on the beach and touched his scars. He literally died, and then he literally came back to life. That the worst thing that could happen to a human being on this side of heaven couldn't even hold down our savior because he won. He defeated death. It was undefeated before him. And since him, it's lost all of its staying power. I have overcome the world. The resurrection changes everything. Without it, there is no faith. Without it, there is no hope. Without it, there is no future. Without it, there is no church. But by it, we have a hope, not only in our present reality, but also for a future eternity. That the world, the world is gonna throw its trouble at you. That there are gonna be seasons when stress and anxiety is looming over your heart. There's going to be seasons where you're gonna walk through darkness and difficulty and it feels like everything is closing in. There's gonna be seasons where you are not okay. And there's gonna be seasons when I am not okay. But even in the midst of all of that, we can put our hope in a savior that died and came back to life. We can put our hope in a savior that looked at death and defeated it, that walked out of the grave And the resurrection of Jesus is a glimmer of hope in the darkness that can give you hope to just go one more day. That the resurrection of Jesus is that glimmer of hope that no matter what you are facing, even when you are not okay, you can keep on moving and you can keep on believing and you can keep on swimming because at the very end of the day, we follow a savior that couldn't even be held down by the worst thing that could happen to you. Hope in our present reality, but then hope for a future eternity. And the beautiful thing about being in Christ, in other words, the beautiful thing about having a relationship with Jesus is that we share in his victory so that on this side of heaven, we don't have to live as victims of this world, we can live as victors in the name of Jesus. Because I have overcome the world. And y'all, his death and resurrection, it wasn't just some religious transaction it was the greatest act of love this world has ever seen, and he did it for you. He did it for me. He didn't want to go to the cross. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was stress, and he asked, Jesus, he asked the Father, hey, if you would let this cup pass, let it pass. But he knew it was the will of the Father, and he knew it was gonna save the world. And I overcame it, come on. On hell's best day, Jesus went to the cross, and then saved the world. He is our hope. In Him, we share His victory. And what's so cool is that John, who wrote the gospel, walked with Jesus, was there in front of Jesus where he said, John 16, 33. And he heard Jesus say, I have overcome the world. And John didn't fully understand it then, but he would eventually learn what it meant. That John who recorded that very sentence of Jesus, years later at the end of his life, wrote a few more letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And this is so cool. You wanna talk about full circle. He hears Jesus say those words, and he says those, and he writes those words in his gospel. And then years later at the end of his life, he writes this in 1st John 4, 4. He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Who is them? It's these false prophets who are teaching an anti-gospel and they are following the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what John is teaching us in those verses before. He says, you, dear children, though, you, the people of God, you have put the, your faith in Jesus. You've overcome them. You've overcome that teaching. You've overcome that darkness because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in you the world. You've overcome. Why? Because the one who is in you, the one who is in you, remember when Jesus promised, he told his disciples, and John is probably thinking back, oh yeah, I remember when Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was gonna come down, that, that the one who is in you, and Jesus said, I've gotta go, but I'm gonna send my, the, the Father's gonna send the Holy Spirit down. He's, he's God, just like I'm God, and just like the Father is God, and it's our spirit, and we're gonna live inside of you. The one who is in you, the Spirit of God that lives in you, is greater than the one who is in the world. Who's the one that is in the world? Might sound kind of weird to some of you, but there is an enemy, a real enemy in this world. Satan, he's called the prince of this world. And you know what his goal is? His goal for you and for me is to destroy your life and to destroy mine, to rob us of the fullness of life that Jesus won for us, to have our hearts and our lives wrecked by stress, worry, fear, and anxiety. And what John is saying is, hey, The one who is in you, the one that came from God, the one that lives inside of you is greater than even the prince of this world. That when Jesus overcame the world, he also overcame the evil and the power of the prince of this world. And he lives in you, that he is always with you. You And so John got to hear Jesus say, I have overcome, and then he got to write how we can overcome because the one who is in us is greater than the one that is in the world. So oftentimes we want to get over it, but sometimes what that means is trusting Jesus to get us through it because he's in you and he's in me. Jesus died and he rose again. And here's what I want you to walk away with. Believing that and knowing that. Here's what I want you to to, to hold on to. And here's what I want you to know is true because of the resurrection of Jesus. Is that you are never alone. And you are deeply loved. And Jesus always wins. You are never alone. I need you to hear that tonight, that you are never alone. That the Spirit of God lives inside of your heart That when you are in Christ, you never go anywhere alone. That when you are in Christ, the Spirit of God goes with you. The Spirit of God that wants to give you joy. The Spirit of God that wants to give you peace. And even in the midst when you are not feeling like it, even in the midst of stress, worry, fear, and anxiety, even when you don't feel okay, the Spirit of God is still with you and lives inside of you. And it's going to protect your heart and your mind in the name of Christ Jesus to give you just a little bit of hope to keep on moving and to keep on believing and to keep on walking, you are never alone. But here's what I love about faith and here's what I love about how God designed this whole thing. Yes, the spirit of God, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us and we can continually share in the hope and the victory of the resurrection. But not only is he always with us, because of the resurrection, it launched this thing called the church. It launched this thing and the church by the way is in a building the big c church is a people group who are saying hey we're linking arms and we're following the savior of the world so here's what i love about this is that not only can you look up and look in your heart and know that you're never alone because of the big c church you can look to your left and right and know that you are never alone that we're with you that we are for you And as imitators of God, we're going to link arms together. We're going to look up. We're going to believe in the resurrection and the power of Jesus. We're going to believe in our hearts that the Spirit of God is with us. And I'm going to look to my left and I'm going to look to my right. And I'm going to know that I've got brothers and sisters with me. You are never alone. And you are deeply loved. Literally, God spared nothing to save you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me. He gave it all to allow you to be a part of his family so that you could be connected relationally with a heavenly father that wants to welcome you in. He calls you son and he calls you Daughter. And he gave everything to save you. You need to know that God is not some transactional God. He is a relational God. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And he wants an intimate one with you, which is why he spared nothing to make it possible. But you know what I love about the way that God designed this whole thing? That when Jesus rose from the grave, he launched this thing called the church. And he told us that we are to love just as he loved us. So just as you can look to the cross and believe that God loves you, I want you to look to your left and to your right and know that you've got people that are called to love you just like Jesus did. That in this place, you are loved. In this place, you are known, and we are with you, and we are for you. You are never alone. You are deeply loved, and Jesus always wins. There will be times on this side of heaven where it doesn't seem like he's winning. There will be times on this side of heaven when it doesn't feel like things are going the way that they probably should be going. But our hope isn't just in the now. Our hope is also in the future. And so knowing and believing that, hey, my circumstances might not be going the way that I want them to, but Jesus has overcome. And so I'm gonna believe that Jesus can get me through. But I can also have eternity in view. That I can look bigger than just the here and now. I can look bigger than just my short time here on earth in the 80 or I'm trying to live to 100. Um, like I can look beyond that and know, okay, there is hope for a future. There is, there is hope right now. And there is fullness that Jesus has won for me now. But I can also live with eternity in view. You're never alone. You're deeply loved and Jesus always wins. There's also a, potentially some of you in the room tonight where you feel like you've kind of lost all hope. That the darkness is real. That you kind of feel like you've run out of options and you've kind of run out of solutions and you don't really know what else to do. There might be some of you in the room who have gotten to the point where for you the only option is suicide. That there, there might be some of you in the room tonight where all hope is gone and your only thought is the only way to fix this is just to end it. Maybe you thought it Maybe you've planned for it. Maybe it's just kind of been this inkling that sometimes comes up and sometimes it doesn't, but it's just kind of there. I need you to hear me. We are with you. We are for you. We love you. And listen, we see you. And maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you're not buying that we see you. Okay, you've been on God's radar forever. And God sees you and God loves you and God is for you. And I'm telling you, this world is better with you. So I don't know if that's you tonight, but here's what you need to know is that you are dearly loved. You are never alone. And Jesus won for you. And if there is enough hope in the resurrection to give you another day, I want you to look at the cross. I want you to look at the empty grave and I just want you to take one more step to today. We call this place home because we want this place to be family. And we wanna walk alongside you like family, but if I'm honest, we need your help to make this family. So if you're going through something, would you just tell us tonight? Would you just let us in tonight? Would you please, if that's you in the room, not leave here tonight without letting us know that you are struggling, without letting us know that you've been thinking about suicide, without letting us know that maybe you've even been planning it or thinking about a way to do it? Would you please let us in? Because we wanna walk with you. We wanna love you and we wanna get you help. We wanna help you. In fact, we brought our care team from Woodstock City. They're here tonight and they're gonna be in the gallery. And they're going to be there to talk to any of you, to point you in the direction of resources, to point you in the direction of people that can be a part of God's solution to bring healing to your heart. You are never alone. You are deeply loved. And I am telling you, this is not a Jesus juke. This is not like, hey, I'm telling you this is a fix-all. No, no, but I'm just telling you, this is enough of a glimmer of hope to take one more step in the direction that God might have for you. Jesus always wins. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit believing. Because I have overcome. I am victorious over death. I am victorious over sin. And you share in my victory. So remember... You're never alone. You're deeply loved. And Jesus always wins. And even when it doesn't feel like you'll ever be able to be over it, you can always find hope for another day in the one who has overcome. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came back to life. Thank you that the resurrection is true. Thank you that the resurrection is real. And thank you that the resurrection gives us hope. Thank you that the resurrection saves our lives. And thank you that because of it, we can build our life and we can build our hope on the rock solid foundation that is Jesus. Thank you that you've allowed us to share in that victory. Father, I pray for freedom tonight over the hearts of these students. I pray that chains would be broken tonight. I pray new life would be breathed into the hearts in this room tonight. And I pray for the people that are wondering whether or they still need to be here. I pray you would remind them that yes, they do. Yes, they are seen. Yes, they are loved. And yes, they have been on your radar and still are. We love you. And I pray you would give us the faith in the courage and the boldness to keep on going and to keep on believing not because everything around us says so but because the spirit inside of us the spirit that rose jesus from the dead says so it's in the matchless name of jesus we pray a